This is Quirky HR, where we break down everything human resources, compliance, and all things employees, while infusing a little bit of foul language and a whole lot of humor. I'm your host, Dana Dowdell, and let's talk HR. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Quirky HR. Thank you for tuning in. I'm really excited to speak to our next guest. If you follow Sherm, read about HR in any capacity, even if you read the news, I'm sure that you're seeing a lot of emphasis on employee wellness, mental health of your employees, and we are going to be speaking all about that topic. I'm joined by Jill Westhoff. She is the Director of Wellbeing Strategy and Solutions for Alight. Um, Alight does, uh, they provide digital human capital management solutions across health, wealth, payroll, and well-being. So all good things. And I'm very excited to welcome Jill to the podcast. Hey, Dana. Hi. All right. So let's dive in a little bit more to Alight and specifically how you partner with employers from a strategic standpoint. Mm-hmm. Sure. Absolutely. Um, so you you picked up on your in your intro that well-being is in a totally different place today than it was let's say pre-pandemic, and it'll probably always be defined by that like kind of pre-pandemic and post-pandemic world we live in, um, times have changed. So it's more important than ever to really have a strategy as you just started to say that. Um, you know, back in the day, if you will, probably you know, five years ago, let's say, well-being was something that was really done off the side of someone's desk. Maybe it was like a step challenge, or maybe you thought you're doing a really good job if there was like a fruit bowl in the, you know, <laughs> um, whatever the training room or something. And and that's just not how it is today. I think the pandemic shed light to, you know, we have to think of the person as a whole. Um, it's their mind, it's their body, it's their financial or a wallet, and all their life aspects when they have different um, family members to take care of. So what what we do when we partner with clients is really help. Step one is helping them define what is a well-being strategy. You know what what's critical to their employees. What are you hearing and saying? What's critical to them as an organization and their priorities? Um, what aligns with their brand? So that's really step one where we want to start with clients understanding where they're at in that journey. So when I think about the clients that I work with in my consulting business, you know, there are a lot of small businesses and many of them, they don't want to know what an employee is dealing with outside of work. You know, they don't want to know whether or not their mom is ill. They kind of, and I think it is very much an old school thought around um, what they do outside of work is no concern of mine as long as it's not affecting work. Mm-hmm. And you can comment on this, obviously, but I, I think one of the great things that the pandemic did was bring to light just how much of what happens outside of work gets brought into the workplace. You nailed it. Exactly. You can no longer just think, well, my, you know, work is work and your home life is your home life. Because when we 
many of us were um, forced to work from home, we had to combine those two worlds, if you will. And so um, I've been personally, I, you know, I've been virtual for almost 20 years now. Um, so it wasn't that big of an adjustment, but I'll tell you, it's interesting is that it, it almost had me feel more human where if dogs did bark it or, you know, someone comes to the door, you're like, well, that's just life. I mean, that does happen during the course of a work, you know, work day, but prior to kind of everyone else working from home, that wasn't necessarily something that was considered acceptable. Um, so we kind of hid from that, but then with the pandemic, there was no denying it. So what's going on in your home life is definitely going to impact your work life. And that means, you know, are you showing up fully to your job? So kind of that presenteeism, if you will, um, are you, you know, do you have the support you need for your children or aging parents? And you really have to think of those different benefit programs and how you're supporting, your um, employees, because that that's actually right now what's attracting employees to companies is what's going to retain employees. Um, and so it, it's really critical to make sure to acknowledge that and right now in this in this market. Mm. As we were prepping for this episode, we talked a lot about the EAP, so employee assistance programs. And yeah. I'm a big fan of employee assistance programs. I remember when I was really early on in my career. I had to use one. And so I, you know, I feel like you often don't hear of HR using the services that they promote, but it was incredible. And the the support that I received was incredible. But would you say that employees are looking for more than just having this system that gets talked about once a year? <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm glad that you you said that you use the EIP. Um, I've used it as well. So it's a great program. Um, yeah, the expectations of that, like moving beyond the EAP, have definitely changed. There are some statistics that I'll share with you from our recent mindset study data, and we'll share this with our listeners at the end of the podcast. This is something that we've done consistently year over year, and again, interesting to see how things have really evolved and what employee expectations are. So just, so just some key insights to give that perspective is of the people that we uh, surveyed, 41% of those employees are experiencing burnout. 72% reported a moderate or high level of stress. 56% um, fear that they will not have the financial security to retire. Um, and 55% reported that they're looking for a new, new job. So that hashtag great resignation is still very real. And so looking at those types of insights, you know, that's part of the reason why employers need to think of how do you have a holistic well-being solution. So, yeah, we had an AAP, and that definitely helps with for both you and I. We personally experienced that with some of that emotional support, if you will. But what else? I mean, if if you are in a financial stress, and now again, our financial times continue to be turbulent, at least from the United States perspective that contributes heavily to stress. So if you don't kind of have just, you know, an emergency savings, um, you're going to be stressed out and that will be very distracting when you show up to work. So what do you have for financial uh, well-being programs or solutions that help with that? Um, and then, you know, beyond an EAP, which may be for like, um, I'm going to call it more of like a it's like crisis, crisis, yeah, like a crisis situation. Yeah, yeah. That's, exactly. That's a good way to put it. 
But when you think about burnout or like stress, what are tools or programs that employers can put in place that can help with building resiliency? That's there's a lot of tools and capabilities that have come out recently. Um, like one of the most popular ones is, is MeQ or Mequilibrium that um, a lot of employers have been attracted to. And again, that's all about building resiliency so that when we do have these turbulent times and challenges that we can, um, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not persistent, but... Um, you can make it through persevere, it. Persevere. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Well, you mentioned, you know, the crisis component of the EAP. So it sounds like, you know, having a wellness strategy is, is so much more about the day to day that you're an employee experience or that your employee experiences versus again, those crisis situations. So what, what does wellness look like today? What are you seeing as part of a wellness strategy? Strategy. Yeah. So um, besides making sure it's holistic, again, caring for the whole person, the other piece I would add on and maybe use an analogy is like, you need some solutions where, or I would say recommendations for solutions that are more like that, that do meet the everyday need and are kind of more generic, if you will. And then you need some things that are specialists. So I'll give you an example of that. So hopefully most of us go to at least our um, annual visit for their doctor, right? And so that's kind of like the generalist, your general primary care physician. And they're giving an overall check and making sure that everything looks okay. But if they did find something, let's just say like a suspicious mole, you'd get referred to a dermatologist. So in the world of well-being, I like to think of it like having some type of generic solution in our um organization, as an example, we have a, a wellness solution called the light well, and that can meet every component of mind, body, well, life and engages someone every day and just everyday healthy habits, behaviors, activities. It's curating a lifestyle, if you will. But then let's say beyond that, going back to the specialist um, analogy, if you do have diabetes or you are pre-diabetic and at risk for that, then you want to bring in Um, a specialist, or in our case, it would be a a partner, like Avita, for example, that focuses on diabetes management. So we want to get you to that specialized care that can really help you with that management um, to, um, you know, help you hopefully eliminate it, right, Or, or prevent from actually having that condition. So it's a balance, again, between, I would say, um, curating a healthy habits and lifestyle, and then also having specialized partners to help with specific programs for conditions. And that that balance across mind, body, wallet, life are really good um, sounding, well-balanced strategy for an employer. I'm a big fan of saying like, a policy is no good unless it's enforced. And, and I think that it's probably a common thing that HR professionals experience where they come up with this really amazing idea for an employee relations program, or they come up with an amazing idea for an event or a wellness program. And then, you know, either it's not, there's no engagement from the the employees or, you know, top leadership is not really getting the buy-in. So how do you foster engagement in a wellness program and in a wellness strategy? 
Yep. No, that's, that's perfect. The number one tip, if you will, is to make it personal. And I'll talk about what that means to make it personal. So, um, and I, and I can share with you uh, some client examples of that. So what we're hearing a lot is that we do have programs in place that maybe they're not being utilized or people are not aware of them or they're confused when to use what and when. Um, and maybe they are not personalized, meaning for back to the analogy, if, if I'm not at risk for diabetes, don't promote that to me because I'm confused. Why would I be using that programmer? Is that right for me? So it just, it can be um, disjointed from the individual's experience. So what's really important is understanding, and when we do health assessments for this, is understanding what is that person at person actually have or is at risk to have, and then only curating an experience or promoting or communicating solutions that apply to them personally. Um, and that that really helps drive engagement. So um, just, just as an example, though, from a real client too, where this, this kind of more tactically plays out is that this is all driven back to where, you know, a digital human capital management company, we do have one platform that houses basically everything HR. So it's whether it is your health benefits, so I need to do from something for insurance, or I need to check on my coverage or like have a digital card for who my provider is, or I need to enroll in my benefits from I need to check, you know, paycheck information all the way to, um, you know, I, I want to be in a wellness challenge and I want to track my, um, you know, time I'm meditating or something. So having all of those components in one place or one application is really important to just keep it super simple, super personal, um, and, and keep engagement um, consistent and high, if you will, for, for employees to, to, um, foster that well-being. I can I can give an example. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, if you make it simple for them, it's just, it makes it that much easier for them to use. Right. Exactly. It has to be simple. If it's somewhere I'm already going today to get information that I need, and now it can just give me more insights or information and, and, um, incentives, if you will, it's, it's just that much easier. So make it, make it personal. And to that point too, um, I mean, a key thing that obviously really helps is incentives. So most employers, I'd say, you know, best practice where they do some kind of well-being program. If you incentivize people for that, you will increase engagement. So yes, make it personal, drive engagement, you know, make it simple, but also incent them for the outcomes you're looking to drive. So if you want people to save more, or, you know, contribute to their HSA or save for retirement with their 401k, then recognize them for that, right? Um, then reward them for that, that behavior. So that, that also is, is very helpful. One client example that may help kind of hit this home from an engagement perspective is that we had a large technology company. When I say large, it's like almost 200,000 employees. That's so a large company. Um, and they were not seeing that engagement year over year. And that's where, again, from like the person that does own an HR, these well-being solutions, it can be pretty frustrating because you are making an investment. So you want to see that people are utilizing it. And so what happened is that people would enroll or sign up 
Um, but then it wasn't sustained. And so they were dropping off and did not return to the first month of enrolling. And again, ideally with well-being, you want it to be year round. They want constant engagement. And so what we did was work with this client and, and developed a you know, communication plan, how they can increase in- integration with these other vendors to kind of embed and promote them within this application. And then totally uh, customize what their incentive program would look like to make sure that it could be year round and it was outcomes based. So people would have to come back, if you will, multiple times to stay engaged and actually utilize the program. So it became very outcome driven. And again, they can totally customize it based on their programs. Um, obviously, like however they want to incentive their employees and dollar amounts and frequency and all that wonderful stuff. So the outcome of that ended up being they were able to drive up engagement by over, um, 20% and they saw it consistently maintained um, throughout month over month. So just, just again, to show like the, really the power of the platform, the power of the technology that can drive kind of that whole engagement experience is, is really, is really important. And our home, if you will, for this is called work life. So just uh, FYI, if you check out the website, you can see more information on work life there. And it's like a single platform. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But it also sounds like you, you essentially like give them this perfect little pretty package of how to keep this engagement up within the wellness strategy. Yes. Yes. I mean, the, what's great about the technology, you can take all, take all this wonderful rich data and that's the power of artificial intelligence, just like we do with, we love our, you know, like Netflix or Instagram, right? It knows you and that's the power of getting the data and what you click and what you look at and what you buy. Um, well, similarly, you know, HR is no different with that now these days, right? So based on the information insights we have, whether you're supplying it or we know that about you, we can, again, tailor an experience and personalize that. And that's the power of this work-life engine. Um, but also within the Lightwell solution itself that lives within work-life, again, you can personalize and customize that experience to what's going to work best for that individual, that individual client. This is an HR podcast. So we love the idea of culture. (laughs) So how does a workplace culture play into an overall wellness strategy? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing that I've learned, you know, working with clients over a number of years is that, especially with, with really any aspect of it, particularly also with well-being is that culture underlies the success of a well-being strategy. And so a good example of this is what was working with a large uh, hotel brand and they wanted to do something for their employees. And that's what most companies now want to do something for their employees, but they're not sure what. And what we did was understood really their brand and they happen to be a very high-end hotel chain personalization experience is what they focus on. And so they wanted to be able to demonstrate that same type of service for their employees. And so what they chose to do was um, our navigation services. So basically they get these health professionals where it's someone's name, (laughs) like Sarah Smith, It's Sarah Smith's email and Sarah can help you with finding a doctor. Sarah can help you with scheduling appointments. Sarah can help you find a a doctor or get a second opinion on a a, a upcoming surgery. So that matched well with their brand. And I I think it was important. I was actually able to um, tour their corporate office and then etched in glass the value of their people. And so to me, that was finding the right 
solution that fit their brand. And I, I, you know, the employees are going to know what's authentic. To me, that shows you're authentic. We, you know, we deliver that type of service and capability for our customers and we want to do the same for our employees. I just thought that was a great, you know, match for their culture and then how they want to treat their, their people. And that will really resonate with their employees to be um, authentic. Uh, one more example is it's really important. Another hot topic, like you said, if you're reading the news, especially the, uh, from a well-being perspective, is making sure that there is the focus on include being focused on inclusion and specifically on diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. No different than with well-being um, and making sure that you know when you do offer these programs, do people see themselves in these programs? Um, are you you know, representing the solutions that you provide? Are you representing all populations that you employ? So it's really being mindful of that. This is a, a small but a significant example in how Alight is working to support those DE&IB efforts is we've curated a marketplace. This is a newer solution that we've invested in, a well-being marketplace. So when well-being is personal, right? So when you complete your wellness activities and your employer is going to incent to you, maybe you value a gym membership, or maybe you want to do a home food delivery service, or maybe you want to buy a new pair of tennis shoes, or you know, the the point is that all those needs are diverse. And with this marketplace, when you reinvest in yourself and your well-being based on these incentives that your employer wants to offer, you're able to. Um, you know, decide for yourself what was critical to you and what you need for your lifestyle. So again, it, it's small, but it's like a way that we can personalize an experience and meet the needs of many versus doing either something that's very impersonal, like here's a gift card, or um, assuming that everybody wants an Apple Watch. Well, not, maybe not everyone wants an Apple Watch. You know? <laughs> so it's just, it's a small bit of simple way that we got to move forward and be able to think mindfully of how we design the culture, again, how those solutions support the brand, drive um, inclusion and belonging for an organization. I love that. I feel like it's just intentionally meeting people where they're at and honoring every employee as an individual versus, you know, the collective. Um, and it's very easy to miss people that way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm sure that you guys see, um, you know, an ROI for employees, you know, they're getting the care that they need, the support that they need, the, you know, the steps that they need, whatever the solution might be. What are you seeing for ROI for employers? Are you seeing it impacting the bottom line? Are you seeing it impact to turnover rates, um, overall company engagement? Yeah basically all the above that you just mentioned. So we have a value engineering team whose sole job is to measure the value of investment in these programs and capabilities. So back to data and insights. So we're looking at it from two different aspects, exactly to your point, what's in it for the company. So we're seeing a direct impact from a cost perspective, first of all, from a claims perspective, right? Because there is a value for cost per claim per person, if you will, when you invest in these healthy lifestyle behaviors, there's a big impact with that. And you utilize the programs to keep yourself healthy if you do have a condition, ideally avoiding 
you know, more expensive procedures like surgery or medications, what have you. Um, so there's definitely an impact from the employer that way, as well as mentioned earlier with hashtag great resignation, we're seeing a direct correlation with um, attrition as well as productivity. So that's from an employer perspective. And then from an employee perspective, this gets into really that they feel engaged and feeling valued um, and being seen by their employer. So there's really both, again, both a, a value from an employee and employer side with the with investing in well-being. I, I always say, you know, so much of what you do as a manager, as an employer, it all has a message. And so when you roll out programs like this, where you are supporting not just what an employee gives you from nine to five, but what they also deal with outside of work, before work, what pulls them away while they're at work, you know, you're sending that message that you care about their, their whole well-being, their, their whole person. Their whole self. Exactly. No, you nailed it. And that's exactly what we do with clients when we define that strategy is it has to be holistic and we want it to be a holistic program and we want it to be a holistic experience um, because it is, it is the whole person and the clients that are making that investment will win the war for talent, if you will. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You mentioned um, an employee wellbeing strategy or study that you guys had done. Um, mm-hmm. So, so much of what you provide to clients is is all based in data and those then become a resource, right? Correct. Yes. So there we, we have dedicated research teams that are studying the future of work trends. We're very focused on the well-being capabilities and then a lot on diversity, equity insights as well, which is really critical because again, being in digital workforce management, having that knowledge and insights and thought leadership is really critical. So Yes, we're we're very focused on that, and again, we'd like to share. We'll, we'll put a link in the um, in the bio here after the podcast. Um, put a link into that mindset study so that you guys can have access to that information as well. Yeah, I think that would be a huge resource for our listeners. Um, you have been a fantastic resource, Jill. Where can listeners connect with you? Mm-hmm. Thank you, Dana. You can find me on LinkedIn. Awesome. And of course, we'll make sure that her Jill's LinkedIn profile is linked in the show notes, as well as the direct link to a light and that um, kind of freebie, the study freebie, which um, I think, again, will provide a huge amount of value to people that are listening. So Jill, thank you so much for your insight and your contribution. I'm very grateful to have you here on Quirky HR. Thanks, Dana.